I have this genetic mutation, uh, uh, which uh, basically makes me more probable to get breast or ovarian cancer, like much more higher probabilities, 50%. Visited uh, a gynecologist to know uh, about, I had a question about my menstrual health and she just said, oh, come back to me when you want to get pregnant. And I kind of tried to ask again that, no, you know, pregnancy is not my concern right now. I am not planning for it. Uh, but this is my concern. Can you kind of address this? But no, no, this is not important. I came back. I shared with my friends uh, a group and went like, this is what happened. And then everybody else was like, yeah, this is what happened with us too. Welcome to Berry Nari with your podcast hosts, Saraswati and Aditi. One, a chai-loving engineer from Bangalore and the other, a beer-sipping economist in Berlin. Join us and our expert guests as we enter the vibrant world of Indian women through the power of data and stories. Hi everyone, welcome to the new episode of Berry Nari. Uh, today we have a really special uh, episode with us where our guest is uh, Saraswati, the founder of Cranberry. Hi Saraswati. <laughs> Hi. Hi, everyone. Uh, yeah, today uh, we thought like Saraswati and I, we really want to share with all of you, uh, you know, about women's health, why we decided to build in this space, why, why we are building Cranberry, what we've learned since the last one year. And of course, where we see ourselves going and our vision for women's health. Uh, excited to do this with you, Saraswati. Yeah, I'm also super excited. We've always wanted to share our journey. And I think we have been doing that with our newsletter and with all mm -hmm. the LinkedIn posts that we do. But this is, I'm also excited to share almost a summarized version of what we learned over the last one year of speaking with different people, learning more about it. So, yeah. So, so Aditi is also a guest. for this. <laughs> So, yeah, we are, we are going to interview each other for today. Of course, I'm going to speak a lot and not let you speak. No, no, <laughs> no. And you must. You have so much, you have done so much work in this space even before we started Cranberry. So I am excited to also hear <laughs> in detail all the things that you have done. Uh, yeah, thanks so much. Uh, uh, amazing. So I, I think like one of the very common questions I get, Saraswati, is like why we are called Cranberry. Uh, I don't <laughs> know if we've discussed this on the our podcast yet, Uh uh, yeah, but why is that? Why are we called Cranberry? Uh, it's interesting. So I, we've definitely always disputed who came up with the name. I think it was a three of us who were brainstorming mm -hmm. names and then the name came up about it. And now we are like, oh, but who did come up with it finally? We don't have a record of it. But the name Cranberry uh, came up because we were working in the women's health space and we wanted something that signifies red. And Cranberry... Mm -hmm. uh, as a fruit is red in color. It's also associated with women's health because it's a fruit or its juice is often recommended for improving urinary tract infections, also known as UTIs. Uh, cranberries also grow in a bunch and Yay. building a community or communities of health is a big part of how we think health problems will get solved, especially preventive health will get solved. Uh, and lastly, as we started building in health space, we realized how loaded the space of health is mm -hmm. and how much it always creates the sense of, oh, you know, something is wrong and that's why you have to take, so you do have to do something. And we wanted something that's light and makes you feel uh, 
just fun and light about taking care of your health. Uh, so yeah, then we kind of zeroed in on the name yeah. after a lot of potential names. <laughs> so okay, cranberry kind of gets us there. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. No, that's really well put. Uh, yeah, I, I think I I really like the name now. And whenever like we speak to so many women, and you know, a lot of women recognize oh cranberry UTIs. And then when I say like also because they come in a bunch and we are so even though we are building a very AI product and company, we are like we are mm -hmm. so, you know, excited to be building these micro communities and, you know, the human touch is so important for us as well. And then Absolutely. I think, yeah, that's always a, a, a good, uh, so to say, connection to make with the name. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a, a great. I also I love the name because uh, oh, I mean something that you hate me for, but I love the puns that comes with it. Yeah, true. So, Berry Nari being one of them, and I always use Berry as a replacement for Very. So Very women, Very good, uh, Very good days. So I I often do that, which annoys Aditi, but I love that <laughs> we can do that with this name. No, I I've started embracing it actually a bit. Or yeah, a berry bit. Okay, that's not a thing. But <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like no, and it's actually uh, yeah. Do you also want to tell how did we come up with like so our chatbot uh, is called Berry, and uh, yeah, and I really like that name as well. Now uh, I think there's no dispute it there who came up with the name. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So it was. It was the women who were already using the chatbot. Mm -hmm. We asked them and again gave them a few options. And I think unanimously Berry was chosen by all of them. Although it was actually not chosen by us. It, for us, yeah. it was uh, not a good option. Uh, but yeah, they chose it. And now it seems to be picking up. So Berry is our chatbot, which is powered by AI and our, our health database. And it's accessible to anyone on WhatsApp to discuss uh, and ask questions about menstrual health. Yeah, amazing. and we put the link yeah. here so that people can access it. Oh, true, true, true. Yeah, I think uh, we uh, like our early, uh, you know, members. They come up with the best ideas, <laughs> and I, I think like Berry is uh, one of them. So, uh, yeah, can't take credit for anything yet in this whole company. <laughs> Welcome to the founders' <laughs> life. I, I, the only really okay. Now you're telling me this, Saras. Yeah, okay. Uh, I think the only thing I can take credit for is my past you know what I've done <laughs> so uh, yeah so I think you were touching about like you know my past work in women's health and health in general and so I think yeah for me it's uh, been like a pretty long journey getting into women's health I I started working on gen in gender inequality almost 10 years ago uh, with my PhD I was you know looking into sex selective abortion and how much uh, bargaining power or say women have in households and uh, then through that I was like oh my god like health really seems like a domain where women outcomes are really bad in particular I was uh, looking at maternal health um, so India has done really well where the maternal death rates uh, has uh, come down but they're still one of the highest in the world and we have a long way to go so yes there I started working with the government of Uttarakhand in particular on uh, maternal anemia because that basically leads to high risk pregnancies and i think i was what's like really amazed anemia? can you huh? share a bit more Not what's yet. maternal anemia so uh, around 70% uh, of women in india are anemic that means the homoglobin in our blood 
is lower than the level it should be at so lower than 12 and a lot of women are even severely anemic so under 9 where actually you feel a lot of uh, fatigue and really low energy continuously in your life and so in uh, during the pregnancy time especially early pregnancy time because you have another thing growing inside you you need much more higher levels of uh, hemoglobin in your blood anyway so so during your pregnancy time if you're anemic it's called maternal anemia and that's what's called like leads to a high risk pregnancy so because of that it poses danger both to the mother as well as the child um yeah okay. so it's so it's of course like a really key thing everyone in the ecosystem the government wants to improve um so it was like a really clear health parameter like we i was working with the government of uttarakhand towards improving on uh, i think it was really a puzzle for them because they give a uh, free uh, iron supplements to women uh, who are pregnant uh, and still the rates don't go up so the question was like are women not taking them what is happening there uh, yeah and that's how i got into the whole field spent like i think around 6 to 8 months in the villages in uttarakhand in a specific district uh, it's so beautiful so i was always like it's uh, it's i'm so lucky i come from such a beautiful state that i'm like oh, i'm going to work there and people are like cuz it's really beautiful and i'm like yeah maybe <laughs> <laughs> someday <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, and I think that like really it became clear to me that there is so much to do in women's health. Uh that was just a small part of it and so yeah, I think I was quite sure that I am ready to dedicate uh, like my life and my work to this and I think that really inspired me working on the ground also with a lot of the local clinicians and practitioners and Asha workers and everyone in the local ecosystem like they do so much and a impressive job uh, yeah so i think that was like a inspiration for me getting into it and uh, yeah i'm so excited now i can build this uh, you know use through tech and data so it can really be done at high quality at scale uh, i think that is exciting for me yeah what about you how come you got into women's health Uh, there there's so many i think there's so many paths that led me to it but uh, <laughs> i think the i just remember this meme that i saw on the internet where uh, this mother is saying you know my teenage daughter just went into the bedroom and slammed the door when i told her that she has to bleed every single month for the rest of her life <laughs> <laughs> and and then my and my instinctive reaction was oh she hasn't seen everything yet <laughs> because <laughs> like menstruation is just the start of things and um a lot of it like i started seeing how my body was changing constantly from my early teens to 20s to my 30s i saw mm. how my mother's body was changing constantly um from 30s 40s 50s where she is right now and just this idea of like the body and the symptoms are really changing throughout life and there has to be something that guides you through it because it's not just one time oh go take care of it or like do mm-hmm. this thing or finish this thing uh, so i was curious when i met you i think this was in my sabbatical time uh, you were already working in the preventive health space and and i think together we started mm-hmm. researching about women's health uh, overall and just looking at you know can you really like draw out patterns of symptoms across the lifetime like do something with it like make healthcare recommendations much more personalized and uh, i think personally 
I also, uh, I mean, happened to visit a doctor around that time. Again, sabbatical time. So I was clearing off all my health, death, getting that <laughs> basic checkups done. Um, and I just wanted to understand about where my health is and visited uh, a gynecologist to know uh, about, I had a question about my menstrual health and I had a barely two to three minute consultation. Uh, I think I didn't have whatever concern I had was not something of importance to the doctor. And Mm. she just said, okay, you know, when you want to get pregnant, take these tablets and come back to me when you want to get pregnant. And I said, and I kind of tried to ask again that, no, you know, pregnancy is not my concern right now. I am not Mm -hmm. planning for it. Uh, but this is my concern. Can you kind of address this? But no, no, this is not important. And then she kind of gave mm-hmm. again a one minute lecture of like, why I should plan the pregnancy sooner than later. And I was just like, I came back, I shared with my friends, uh, a group and went like, this is what happened. And then everybody else was like, yeah, this is what happened with us too. So, <laughs> uh, And the more people I started sharing it with, I just realized that how friends group become almost like your solidarity group, uh, support group, <laughs> when you when you don't receive support from the healthcare system. Uh, and I'm mm. doing it with my friends and my mother is doing it with her sisters and her co-sisters. And then just like True. that group, like just talking to them and kind of solving it amongst themselves. And that did not uh, seem right. And I was like, okay, we have to do something about it. This can't just be something that women are solving amongst themselves. Also, that's why I think mm. building community became such part of how we were solving it yeah. because women are already solving uh, or seeking support through True. communities to solve their day-to-day health challenges, uh, whereas healthcare yeah. tends to address more uh, of fertility or issues around fertility. What has been exciting learning? What has been the most eye-opening learning for you in the last one year of building Cranberry? Uh, yeah, so I have two. Uh, one of the really severe big ones is that I personally, I think I really underestimated like you know, the intensity or the severity of pain women are going through. Uh, So like in particular, uh, endometriosis, which is a condition where uh, the endo, like the lining of inside the uterus grows up in different parts in the pelvis area. And during your periods and before that, it can lead to really severe pain. So I always knew this and I always knew the statistic that around 10 to 15 percent women in the world and in India have this condition uh, who are still not diagnosed, maybe a lot in India. And so I always knew this, but I think I did not understand. So that means around 35 million women in India. That is a lot. lot. So I think for me, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so my mind was always blown by 35 million women in India. That's a lot. But then like once I've started understanding by purely talking to women, like the intensity of this pain, then I'm kind of like, okay, 35 million women, which this much intensity of pain is like, uh, yeah, insane. And I have to frankly say that I just because I don't go through that pain, I was not able to imagine it and not truly be empathetic to it. So I like... Yeah, I want to tell you, I was speaking to one of my friends who got diagnosed recently. And she was just Mm. saying that during her period, she would just lie in her bed. She can't do anything. She can't work for those two, three days. There's no way. And she was just lying in bed thinking, this is period pain. Everyone must be having it. Mm. Um, 
she always thought oh my pain threshold is low somehow that i am not able to work but all the other women seem to be going about their life which is most women that we have spoken to like told us right like every time you we every single user that we have spoken to and asked yeah. them how is your period pain they're like oh no no mine is not as bad uh, i can still like take two painkillers or three yeah. painkillers or like just i just have to take rest for the first two days and but rest of it is fine or even things like yeah this thing runs in my family everybody faces it so it's so it's really the messaging that women have been receiving for a yeah. while but yeah that's a great point i think at least i personally also did that uh, and it's really human to do it that you normalize based on what you see and cuz a lot of these things are genetically related so you've seen your mother your aunt have similar things and then you're like ha alag mummy ko bhi to itna dard hua tha when unne bhi bola tha cope kiya tha so uh, you, you know like so you really normalize it in your head but yeah so like i think speaking to my friends and then i spoke to another couple of like uh, women i know who have endometriosis and then i was just like okay this severity of pain where women are like you know some women are stopping to work some women are taking two days leave from work every month i'm like okay this is insane like you know it is also a very deep problem apart from huge problem so i think this was my own ignorance and in the last year it has like totally transform how i look at it i don't maybe you already knew about it <laughs> for sure i think uh, but i agree i think the extent of it has been a learning experience even more mm. because we always started with the thesis knew that there's this pain point but just yeah. seeing it first hand seeing talking to women has definitely opened up more yeah i think uh, yeah so uh, for me personally that has been like uh like a big learning eye opening uh, thing and i think like as i talk to more about it to people like even like say men also i think they are as well surprised and so to say shocked like why didn't they know about it till now and but happy to know mm-hmm. it as well that at least women are vocalizing and expressing this uh now so uh yeah what about so yeah this that's like I the first had, like, one i think yeah yeah i think i have had uh learnings at multiple levels <laughs> in multiple areas because the whole field has been so new for me i mm-hmm. think started with this thesis that because i worked in the space of data and personalization at scale the thesis was that yeah you can take this women health data uh, and symptom data and then really personalize healthcare information for them but i think one on the symptom side yes so one is the severity of symptom and we i think looked into a lot of pain symptoms but also came across the vaginal discharge uh, as a big symptom and how many women totally. had questions about it it uh, i mean every workshop that we have been to or we have done now we have spoken to women there's always a question about it or how to interpret it and what needs to be done so be clearly a very big health marker for mm-hmm. women and more work needs to be done on that space my second learning has been just in terms of evidence i think both ways one that there is actually uh, decent research done on preventive solutions that can help women improve their pain symptoms and it almost feels like why is this information not available <laughs> to everyone on their fingertips uh, where there exists enough like the study is done and guidelines have been published that you can yeah. do these things and this will really improve um and at the same time there's this thing of like oh 
more should have been done like bigger sample sizes bigger sample sets mm. of women and there's so much more uh did know that the i knew that the research is less but then you i think when you just learn, see more you're like oh it's it's really low like you definitely need uh better quality papers better quality evidence and research so i think that's been my second big learning and really reinforces my uh i mean our, in our bet that you know this chatbot will really help make that information accessible to a lot of women uh the third thing has actually been very pleasantly uh, great has been working with doctors actually <laughs> so the ones who collaborate with us and they really i mean how much they are driven to mm-hmm. solve for women's health they have just been like giving their time their information talking yeah. to us going through our medical protocols going through our medical research teaching us at times sometimes we just ask some of the silliest questions and they are like yeah uh, this is why this happened this is why this happens and so you know we just makes it like so there's like a huge room to collaborate mm-hmm. like this i mean like makes for a great case of like interdisciplinary collaboration where they bring a lot of this health information we bring Absolutely. the layer of science uh, we bring the layer of data and personalization and like together we are able to like create this which uh, has been like it's like both like been a great learning experience and been eye opening i think i definitely didn't expect uh, that kind of openness i thought it would be like we'll have to deal with uh, <laughs> like someone with like more closed opinions or not willing to talk or share as much but they have been really open both with their time and with their knowledge so i think that's been uh, a great uh, learning in in space in the space yeah uh, yeah i think those <laughs> are, are definitely the three Uh, very interesting i think one more thing that i remember i mean it's 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 been eye opening in the sense that when we when i have done the workshops with women or when when we both have also done workshops mm-hmm. the vulnerability with which women open up about their symptoms okay which uh, really i think uh, again reinforces the aspect that they're really seeking information and not getting it Because so you we, mean that your workshops have been you're surprised that they actually open up because this is like a group interaction yeah, this is yeah. a group interaction mm-hmm. we the topic of workshop has been generally about improving menstrual health awareness but some of them have really opened up about like their personal health uh, concern and shared what they are feeling and how they are feeling and uh, and where can they seek solution and that we have been able to guide them to the resources uh, but yeah I think uh, I mean you you just reach that level when you're really seeking that solution and you're probably you have not received it and now this is this forum has opened up for you to like come yeah. and talk about it we like, like definitely there's more information seeking behavior yeah even though this is like in a work setting where like you know Saraswati is coming and talking about menstrual health people still ask like really personal questions which we're surprised yeah. about it's true yeah. but and then more and more with the chatbot actually I think like i would be much more comfortable asking a lot more questions there <laughs> where it's yeah. a bit more discreet especially around more than vaginal sexual health which mm-hmm. uh, i mean even with about contraceptives and all so uh, I, i mean yeah i i loved your points and i think uh, yeah really fascinating all, all the learnings and i agree with all those points i think it's been really amazing so the on the doctor's point right like so the other day we were having a call with a male doctor and i think after half an hour i mean he's really great he was like 
Oh God, I'm talking to two women about periods. Sorry. It's <laughs> <laughs> almost apologetic, huh? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> But it's great, That's like sweet. people in the ecosystem can come together because given the scale of the problem, we need everyone. So, yeah, that's a great point. I think uh, it also shows like how like you have like quite a balanced approach because in one way you can say that, okay, like some gynecologists were not empathetic enough to me. But on the other hand, we also have healthcare practitioners who are, you know, like more than willing yeah. to build with us, right? So absolutely, yeah. That's that's really, uh, I think, amazing, and that way, I think the Indian ecosystem. Because I I feel like I so considering I'm based out of Berlin, and what I see here is like there's so much sort of say collaboration between hospitals and startups, like you know, like. tech and experts and everything and i think it's so great to see that now happening in india at least with us where you know like these leading experts are you know ready to come and you know don't, they don't they're not see, see, seeing you know tech and what we are building as a threat uh, but instead as you know the future they want to build together yeah. responsibly Uh, yeah uh, which, which i also is... learned a, a lot from you actually in the last one year yeah, i think it's <laughs> finally like... finally <laughs> i know i know you're just like waiting for it like let me <laughs> uh i i mean many things many things but i think just uh, being able to verify a good source of information like how do you judge this is a good information and this is trustworthy information mm. or this information is good enough to be applied in your day to day life and uh, you know I, i mean in the beginning we were always keen on kind of starting these preventive habits uh, and helping women like build these habits and kind of somewhere we steered the direction a bit to saying okay no no first like let's give the information and make that information mm. really really transparent um mm. and that transparency is another thing that that i have learned from you because i mean you're very strong on being transparent about both the information and the women health data that we are collecting like mm. like almost every every week or every two is like but like okay how are we like what are we doing with this data how are we keeping it safe or how are we like how do we kind of give the data back to the women so that they have power on the information that's being collected so i think it has really attuned my brain also to start thinking about it uh and i think it's also impacting our product on how we are thinking about like just this information uh and making it accessible uh making it trustable sharing uh finding out the information that that's mm. easy to trust or verifiable uh yeah i think would be great to i mean would you want to share about like your journey of just like navigating through medical information uh, i know there's this like oh. lot of story there uh, yeah uh so i think for me uh that started like really 5 years ago uh, uh so before that i think i never had like a reason to really properly get into seeking health information for myself but uh, my mom got diagnosed with ovarian cancer and then like i went deep into it like you know trying to understand the methodology with josh uh, doctors are making decisions and things like that because you know medicine is like super hard and everyone tries to do the best job they can uh, but maybe because i'm a control freak and i need to understand things i really went very deep into that like looking at the best resources i have to say like doctors uh, in india are becoming open enough where they are opening themselves to questioning where you can have discussions with them 
trying to because I think like the traditional setup of lot of healthcare was of an expert giving you information, and it was not forget empowering. It was like you had no agency over what information you're choosing, what you're getting. It yeah. is. So what is in economics called there's so much information asymmetry by definition because you know here yeah. are people who have all the information and you are at the receiving end uh i think for me as a person that just did not doesn't work i feel helpless i feel out of control and uh, so yeah i i had to take that more in my control uh, when my mom got diagnosed and uh, i think then i have started building you know rules or heuristic how i can judge things of course i'm like already trained a lot in how to judge evidence but then i also started like building skills on like how to judge if this piece of information someone is saying is you know true or like with what probability are they saying it and things like that so i think personally uh then i also got uh you know i have this genetic mutation uh, uh which uh basically makes me more probable to get breast or ovarian cancer like much more higher probabilities 50% or something uh, again we can talk about that in a different episode i'm super passionate of course about talking about that uh and there also like so then cuz i live in berlin i had a lot of like doctors appointments about that about understanding there so it's very interesting here the system has transitioned a bit more to that where they give me like a lot more information try to you know en- enable me uh, they would explain everything and be like it's still your choice how you choose to get your screenings done and everything so mm-hmm. it's a bit better not still totally there because the information is very hard to understand and things like that so uh, and so i think like that has really so i mean i was always working on women's health but that whole episode was like okay i really need to urgently work on this uh with people who know how to solve problems fast quickly at scale and that's where i have to say i'm learning a lot from you <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> i've connected it back uh yeah so i i think cuz for someone like me i think i would not be totally be able to build this alone cuz i would i would still have much more that expert view of you know explaining things and i think when we build together you know you will be like oh but we should just give the choice to the women to choose her journey like this i mean she'll most probably discover everything but you know health is loaded it is overwhelming and which i think uh, yeah i i am learning from you like you know i think the two key points always come out is okay make it actionable and make it less overwhelming and uh, yeah i think uh, yeah but uh, you still don't agree to dance on instagram and show the health oh, information oh, yeah. like that mutation one mutation to more probability of cancer yeah uh. <laughs> yeah one day uh, one day one day we'll get there i, I think I, for some topics i might do it <laughs> <laughs> yeah where you probably are just creating awareness but i think that's been the other gripe that we have always had of how uh information comes on instagram which is very hard to reference or hard to kind of form a chain like keep a track of like just in general and uh yeah i think what's the best way to communicate health information in a way that it's less overwhelming right that's a big problem statement that we are trying to mm. constantly solve and and constantly trying to speak to people to just get better nuance of it yeah yeah i mean that that space is looking exciting in india now with uh the whole truth they're called right 
earlier it always seemed like that person's problem and now yeah. the the shift has happened that when people share mm. like oh you know this is something that happens even with my mother i think my conversations have shifted and i think that really helps her because then she went oh you know but like this i am experiencing this symptom and i'm not comfortable with it and my next response to it is but but you know like these many women actually experience this symptom it's mm-hmm. commonplace and then she goes oh is it okay so then i would seek solution let me like so what what is is there also solution to solve it i'm like yeah yeah i mean you know there are these solutions let's see if it solves for you and then otherwise we'll visit a doctor whereas earlier i think it would just be like i'm having this symptom i don't want to talk about it i want to secretly wish that it goes away on its own True. i don't want mm. to see a doctor because of course i think visiting a di- gynecologist or visiting any doctor has its own yeah. mental load that associated with it for her and then i think at certain strata it's also financial load uh, for women to have to visit a specialist uh, doctor so yeah definitely looking at how can we take this in more and more languages and more mm. and more women just getting this information so so they just feel uh, yeah i mean they, they don't reduce the life that they are living they like, you know, yeah. stop traveling stop doing things but actually be like oh, okay this is what happened but i can just manage it in this way and and live their life to their fullest like truly yeah that's uh, like yeah reduce their life that's really well put right like you close your circle and your space that you occupy uh yeah because of all of these uh, yeah uh no i totally agree it's a uh, i think on the point of like a uh, bone surgeries i think i keep bringing it back to like you know knee yes. pain all the time because i think that is something it it, it it was literally i think a vision statement of our company at one point that can we reduce the bone surgeries women are experiencing because aditi was really like <laughs> yeah please tell us yeah, why, but, why 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 <laughs> so cuz i think it just really started from like even like 10 years ago that i would see women in like the more uh, senior generations than us you know slowly as you beautifully put reduce their life because you know matlab we are going to vaishno devi chalni sakte you know not very old but you know knee pain is so common and then i think as people have more money and access now people start getting those knee surgeries right so and then as i learned more about it i was like even in the us like like one in two women like every so every other women has like a bone surgery which is insane right and yeah. uh, so i think this this it's like i think so it started with like i was personally scared my vitamin d is always low my calcium also i think i do is no i've just started strength training in the last few years and i'm like oh my god like you know people are talking about longevity and everything and i'm like for women it's like i want my knees to work at 50 right like the benchmark is so low i have to say right because like yeah. i don't want to say like men are talking about longevity everyone is but you know they're like want to live till 100 healthily and i'm like here we are like where i am at like fairly i would say like high risk of like having like bad knees at 50 mm-hmm. and i'm like how is that possible like you know why am and I do not want this for like you know any generations of women going forward. Uh, so I, I think uh, for me that's, that's why I keep talking about knee surgeries. Also makes sense though. I mean, I mm. yeah, we hope to see an India where there are lesser surgeries. Uh, no, definitely. I think our overall vision also of this like from more sickness to wellness. 
I think uh, yeah. as the whole ecosystem is going, I think uh, we are very excited to be part of that new, I would say almost like a health revolution globally. Uh, and I think uh, that is uh, really exciting. Uh, I also find it very interesting that like how now that we work in this space, hmm. uh, almost every person that we interact with uh, in whichever setting whether it's like a general conversation or an interview or like a mentoring session, they're just so comfortable coming and sharing, just like opening the statement with like, oh, actually, I'm having really bad days. I'm having my periods today. <laughs> it's just the first day. So, I mean, you you people will understand. And it's, I'm like, oh, this feels so normal. And why wasn't this happening before? You know, just like now it's the context and people are finding just like, but yeah. this, this should have been just the case of like conversation anywhere. And it's it's amazing. We've just seen this trend with like everyone. Even in mm-hmm. like team meetings, we see people like coming and just going like, oh, yeah, actually my energies or my moods are fluctuating today. And then you go, okay, sure. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think you draw this uh, analogy sometimes uh, between mental health and all these lot of women's health topics which are stigmatized. Uh, hmm. Yeah, and I, I really like that, how you put that, right? Well, because now when we ask sometimes, how are you feeling? People tell us how they're feeling. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's what you want, Saraswati. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's amazing. It's been a, d- a delightful new thing that's happening. So, yeah. uh, True, true, definitely. Uh, if I may go back to one of the uh, learnings, no, not learnings you said, but your own experiences with like, uh, especially doctors. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's another big learning for me. Uh, so I think, especially in the US, they call it a lot like gaslighting. And I think now it's been like, uh, like almost been shown and uh, that the healthcare system has been uh, biased against women in their pain reporting in specific. Uh, There was this paper in 2001 called The Girl Who Cried Pain, which documented this and has been really, you know, like a breakthrough movement in that, that women face a lot of pain and uh, they are often dismissed as having it in their head uh, and, you know, uh, the healthcare system not treating it uh, properly. And so for me, again, one of the things I underestimated, because I think personally, I did not like maybe have so many interactions or, or because maybe I'm such a high agency person that I would anyway be like, okay, yeah, you don't know, I'll look it up. So, (laughs) but uh, I think that's definitely like a totally valid point, which again, I think needs to be spoken more about and everyone in the society needs to know that people in the healthcare system, like, you know, our partners, people around us. uh, And there I I got really fascinated by the term gaslighting because it's used quite a lot. Like the healthcare system has, you know, been gaslighting women. And there, there I just have an anecdote that I was super interested how it's called gaslighting. And basically it's a play from 1983 where uh, where the husband what he's doing is he's because they have gas lights it's based in the UK I think so he's every day changing the you know the level of the lights in the house so the his wife is basically thinking that she's going crazy like her perception of light is changing and it's him just changing it all the time to play with her mind and then she basically keeps saying that, oh, you know, there's something wrong with the lights. It's not fine. Mm-hmm. And he'll be like, no, it's just in your head. Uh, you know, you're just oh. crying for no reason. 
and so it's basically crazy. and it was like a huge play and i think then it became a movie as well and that's where gaslighting comes from and i i was like oh wow you know <laughs> this has been going on for really long and at some point of time it was totally okay to make that into a theater play uh but yeah i think that really for me summarized it that you know you say that nahi this is not okay i'm in bed in pain yeah. and we were like nah it's in your head everyone goes through it and dismissing or or i don't know even yeah. i guess what the case you said where you, that time fertility is not your concern and you want to know about it so for me hmm. also i thought like so in berlin when i go to the gynecologist like i told like you know that i have period pain which i have to take painkillers for like can i avoid that i mean yeah. the doctor said to me yeah that's like normally it happens to everyone kind of you know cope with it so to say i would not yeah. say that i wouldn't say that's like that's gaslighting like she's not saying you're not feeling it but i yeah. wish she had told me these guidelines or something right which we are building now to tell to me yeah <laughs> right so i would but put that in a lighter version of that and maybe that's the healthcare system structural problem that she doesn't have time but i think yeah. that means cranberries really needed that to tell that to me to you yeah I yeah i mean you especially when you think i mean you when you talk about it in general you're like oh, okay two days a month this is happening but uh when you look at the lifetime of a woman you you're almost bleeding mm. for 7 years of your life you're living for like 50 60 really? years <laughs> like for 7 years of your lifetime you're bleeding which means 7 years of your lifetime is spent in pain which could have been managed or or like at least reduce the severity of it if not completely yeah. reduced like it and and that's a lot like 7 years of your life is just like being in pain yeah. and yeah that 7 years is a lot okay that's like boom blown my mind again okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah uh so this is this has really been the reason for us to do what we are doing at cranberry and how we see women's health and the role preventive habits can play in women's health and there's really so much uh, work to be done in this space and uh you know i write from like period pain i mean we just spoke about probably like one tenth of the symptoms that women experience there's breast tenderness there's urinary tract infections there's uh like and then things that eventually lead up to like cancer symptoms so and i i find it quite uh, interesting when when we speak to some people and then they go oh you're working in a very niche area how do you think you will get like customers and i'm really like uh, how do you not see like i have personally like been to so many like like my personal healthcare expenditure and the expenditure that i have done mm-hmm. for my mother even though like we are completely healthy just to kind of get mm. the symptoms addressed uh, easily sums up to enough market opportunity and if every other women is spending this then there's i i think there's there's market opportunity in terms of billions uh, or or like million dollars <laughs> millions of dollars that needs to be captured mm. out there we need to solve better for women so there's so much uh, work to do and i'm quite excited about uh, spending the next decade solving for women's health uh, and like one go- one down and uh, nine more to go <laughs> 
True. Yeah, one down, nine more to go. Yeah, that's like a great point because, like in the US now, we see these huge companies like Maven Clinic and Tia, which are like you know going to millions of women and are unicorns. So clearly, th- this is something to solve and uh, work on. Uh, yeah, so so excited to be doing this for Indian women to start with and period pain and PMS to start with. But as Saraswati is saying that. uh you know there is so much more in the whole how we can help women prevent and manage uh, what they are facing right now uh yeah this has been great saraswati i think uh, you know uh, you have been a I wonderful hope... guest arete <laughs> <laughs> i know that thanks for asking me like such uh, good questions i'm like really like oh, oh my god <laughs> i wasn't prepared with my questions okay <laughs> So <laughs> <No>, next, <laughs> yeah, great. I mean, uh, thanks everyone for listening in. Uh, we are so happy that you're being a part of our journey and you know sharing this space and you know are uh, involved in discussing these narratives of Indian women. Uh, we con- hope you continue to listen in. And yeah, that's it for now. Yeah, thanks everyone for joining in. Bye. Bye.